Welcome to the Flourishing in Christ podcast, part of the Vine, the Trellis and the Crow teaching series here at City on a Hill. Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 1. He, God, chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. The gospel is the most amazing, most magnificent, most wonderful news uh, that God, who is in community himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has freely, graciously, lovingly made a way to welcome us in to his community so that we can participate in the divine nature um, and so that we can uh, be with him. Uh, today, you are in the room as we chat with some leaders across City on a Hill. Uh, my name is Louis. I'm a Sydney on Hill Surf Coast, and you are with the most amazing, the most magnificent M. Say good day, Hello. M. Hello. It's good to be here, as always. We've also got Pat and Britt. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> oh. I wasn't sure of the point where we're allowed to come in. <laughs> yeah, I'm very Anglican. I need to be, I need to be told it. what to do. <laughs> Great. Guess what, everyone? Uh, Hello. You're listening to us having a wonder, already a wonderful laughing-filled conversation about this week's episode, welcoming, encourage, encouraging, and disciplining. Disciplining? Just no. I'm reading my notes. Discipling. <laughs> this basically go. the spiritual discipline of community. Amen. There we go. Um, icebreaker question as we jump in. Guys, what do you love about Jesus? <laughs> there you go. Go on, Pat. Uh, there are so many things to love about Jesus, obviously. Um, at the moment, my love for Jesus is his love for those who are so unseen. I'm in Luke at the moment in my daily reading. And it's just like... Um, I'm just gobsmacked every time he steers away from the people who the world loves and towards the people the world just despises. And it's been ages actually since I've read a gospel, I'll admit. And I've just loved just sitting in there and just like looking at him, look at people who smell, who are just so on the outside. And it's just like, I just, it's, he's, his love for others is just so infectious. Uh, especially being a, a dirty person myself. I think it's really beautiful. Are you <laughs> yeah. That's hard to follow. Um, again, so many things. I think I was looking at Psalm 139 recently and there's this idea in there of um, God being a God who fully knows um, and fully loves. And that, how is that that desire? We so want to be known and seen and we so want to be, be loved and the, and the wonder then of it, like, oh, Jesus knows us as much as we can possibly be known. And instead of leaning away from that, he leans in. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and so I think that is the safety, the safety. This is a safe place. He is safe. Um, and I think that's a really wonderful gift. So I, I dig him for that reason. And many more. <laughs> um, come on. You're sitting on a golden egg. What do you love? Love. Um, I have been thinking today and yesterday about the power of Jesus. Um, you know, like even the winds and the waves obey him. Like mm. there's there's power <laughs> in that. Um I I love Peter. There's there's so much I love about Peter 
And so one of my favorite stories about Jesus is when he was walking on water and like, and then he, and he like helped Peter and Peter doubted and everyone says shame on him. Uh, but Jesus stretched out his hand. And I like, I think that kind of comes alongside with what you were saying, Pat, of just like, he sees people in their worst moments, in the moments that no one wants recorded ever. And Jesus is like, nope, I'm here. I love you. And there's just great power in that. Um, and it's just, I, like, I think Guy mentioned like that idea of like lion and lamb, like that powerful, but gentle. And so that's what I've been thinking about of late. Um, it makes me love Jesus. How about you, Louis? You're a big fan. Oh, big fan. Bang. Serve over the back yeah. over the net. Well, yeah. um, I've uh, been reflecting this. I was chatting to a guy about this yesterday. I love, um, again, many things, just to keep the theme of many things. Um, <laughs> I love how cheeky Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of, um, I was sharing with Sam Lowley today. I love the um, the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the disciples come up to Jesus and like, yo, Jesus, uh, tell these guys to go home because they need to eat. And, and Jesus like, you feed them. Mm. You feed them. <laughs> like, he is so happy to just, he's stirring them. Like, he's just like, mm-hmm. you feed them. He's like, and he's in the, in the same time. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. But he's letting them feel this sense of need. But that's that's not unloving. And I, I've tried to picture his face in what that comment was like. Was he, did he have like a half smile? I don't know. Like what was his demeanor? Was it just, was it completely deadpan? You feed them mm. or, but there's something about, I, I, he already knew what he was going to do. It's just like, yeah, guys, I already know what I'm going to do, but it was just this cheekiness to be like disciples. I'm just going to give you another moment just to rely on me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'm going to do Jesus things and feed everyone uh, and have leftovers. So anyway, Jesus is awesome. Just from that perspective. In my brain, I like to call that sassy Jesus. And I enjoy when sassy Jesus comes out. But I really love how you see through the gospels, this whole, like there are so many different, he's got a personality. Like this is, Jesus is not bland. And the way that he adapts his approach to different people. And at times you're like, ooh, sassy Jesus. That was sassy. (laughs) That was cheeky. Or like, yeah. Next week we'll talk about flipping the tables, Jesus. But uh, yeah, that's that's awesome too. Um, hey, but we're a, we're a podcast that we're a church all about knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. Um, but today we're thinking about, uh, being in community, the spiritual discipline of community, welcoming, mm-hmm. encouraging, and discipling, um, Pat and Britt love to hear a little bit from you guys. What's, uh, place us, you know, uh, what is your place within, uh, our movement of churches? Um, what are some of the things that you get to do that just sort of like get you going? Um, and, um, yeah, keen to just help, uh, understand you guys a little bit for our listeners at home. Sure. Um, so I work at City on a Hill, Melbourne, and oh. I have a role on a wider team that we call the discipleship team. And so already there's a clue to very passionate about discipleship. Yeah. And my particular role or kind of what I look after, uh, the bulk of it is I look after our gospel communities, which are our small groups that meet during the week. Um, and I, so that's, that's a big part of what I do. And I love that. I was saying something the other day, I feel like I in some ways have my dream job description. There's this ability, uh, you yeah, working with people, um, helping people to know Jesus better, to go deeper in their relationship with yeah. him. Um, and there's a few little like side gigs here and there. One is, I'm sure you, Em, you've probably spoken about, we have a program called The Greenhouse, 
uh, a year-long discipleship program where people can come and learn um, as yeah. well. And oh, it is so great to be in a room with 50 people yeah. who are just there, um, who just really love Jesus and want to know him better and are like, I'm going to rock up week after week um, with that aim. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's my job. Amazing. Yeah, and I'm uh, at Sidon Hill, Melbourne East, which is just a fantastic church. Uh, my wife and I have been there for well, five years or something. I think it's six years old or five years old. Coming up to our sixth birthday soon. So we joined just after it planted. And um, after being there for a couple of years, I went on staff about two years ago. And my role is the community mission side of things. So, And under that umbrella is community missions. Uh, I oversee mercy and oversee youth as well. So it's kind of like you can imagine everything that happens outside of a Sunday service is is me and my kind of oversight. Um, but the the core things that I do are lots of work in the gospel community space. Um, I have the pleasure of getting to work with Brit Lots and writing studies and things like that. I get to you know train leaders and um, and invest in them. And then the other probably the bigger side of my role is the mission space. So. Um, thinking about how we can, you know, make Jesus known in in the white eastern suburbs of Melbourne, and um, I get pretty fired up about evangelism. That's where my like, um, that's where I like to play in that space. So yeah, that's my my sweet spot. So I feel like it's it. pretty clear from the roles that you have within Sudan Hill, but then also your answers of what you love about Jesus has is so centered around his people. Mm. Um, like thinking about who does Jesus see thinking about this deep desire to be known and to be loved and like those marry so well <laughs> with the idea of community and being deep in community as a part of our walk with Jesus. Um, so if it's not clear already, that's exactly why we wanted you guys on it. <laughs> like when we were talking, I was like, this sounds like a really great conversation with people who are deeply thoughtful, um, a lot of fun and just really love the gathered body. Mm of Christ um as you so as you've thought about this because you clearly have you think deeply about um gospel communities and community wider evangelism and doing that even within community um you've thought about it a lot there's like 10 million questions I could ask you yep. um but I think before we get into like a structure framework side just want to hear from you personally and maybe Pat you can go first um Britt I'll give you time to think <laughs> like you follow Jesus personally and yet you do it in community. What are some elements of that where you have seen God really show up for you through being intentional with the community that God has placed you in? Mm, big question. Yeah. So I think that, oh, where do you start? So obviously the Christian life is not siloed. Uh, I think when we're in a series like this, it can be, the temptation can become very self-focused and very self-analytical. And that, that is a great thing and a right thing to, to do the daily examine uh, from a personal point of view. But the big mistake that some people could make, um, and this is like my problem with um, Benedict is that he would like be in a cave for a year. I'm like, nowhere in the Bible does it suggest <laughs> that you should be away from community like that. Um, because as soon as we find ourselves uh, alone, I think we find ourselves uh, acting counter to scripture. And I remember having a big argument to um, 
with a guy in Italy uh, when I was over there. He said, I don't need to go to church. I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, it's just me and Jesus out in the field. And I was just like, oh, I just, I just don't see that. Um, uh, I just don't see that as something that Jesus often talks about what his kingdom is like. His kingdom is so other person focused. Um, and I think that as soon as we start uh, kind of thinking about our Christian walk as more me focused and less other people focused, I think we've, we've made a bit of a, mis- a mistake there. Um, I think community has kept me in the faith for as long as I've been in the faith. Uh, community was the way I was saved by Jesus. Like he used an incredible community to invite me in to actually hear his word. Um, community helped uh, me through the darkest times and the best times of my life. Like it's it's just the way that God has abundantly and so clearly blessed uh, myself and my family um, and lots of people around me. And I find that the more that I lean into it, the more I love it, the more I can get hurt by it, but also the more like, just like anything, the more you love something, the more uh, you're going to get out of it and, and yeah, be a part of it. Sorry for the long answer. No, this is a big question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, Rick? Yeah, I think, I wonder if sometimes in in churches and maybe particularly like evangelical churches where we think about how we learn about God, we've sort of really emphasized and elevated certain aspects of church life. And don't get me wrong, they're super important. Like we hear a sermon on Sundays, super important. Um, I love that uh, what's part of a lot of people's rhythms or we encourage people to is this idea of a, a quiet time or that one-on-one time with you and God also super important but I wonder sometimes if we yeah we so underestimate our ability to show one another who God is and to teach one another and to learn from one another because like I've been in some I've been attending church I think for as long as I can remember I was that kid who went to youth group and was in bible studies you know from the time I was in and like going to Sunday school and things like that and and as I think through all my learning over the years or maybe the bits where I felt most spurred on to kind of follow Jesus I, it's not one sermon that I point to. Um, I remember people yeah, and I remember the things that they taught me. Um, Em has heard me talk about, I got mentored by two brilliant yeah. women uh, when I was in Sydney, both called Marg, which was really helpful. As I refer to my Margs <laughs> um, and my, but my, and how much they, they taught me. I still think about my Bible study leaders from high school, yeah. how I tried to imitate them as they really tried to imitate Jesus and, um, and even like, uh, yeah, I think the last five years in Melbourne, personally speaking, just like God's gift to me of some really solid Christian friends yeah. who have just ministered to me in the everyday. Um, and sometimes I just think that should get more, our ability to teach one another just should get more of a, more of a wrap when we think about how we learn, mm. how we grow. Cause for me, it's so much like just mm. conversations, conversations in cars, over coffee, <laughs> while walking, in the office, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. they're a powerful thing. Yeah. yeah. Brian Rosner, um, who's just rad. He asked this question in chapel once and it's now become a question that I try to ask different people is he was like, you know, what has kept you Christian? Um, yeah. and like, there's the very, very true, very right theological answer of God's grace and his kindness. Um, but then there's also the other answer. And I think similar to you, Pat, like it is, it's community. It's, it's the family of God, con- like continuously pointing 
me to Jesus. It's 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 the gathered church on Sunday. It's my gospel community that comes over to my house and, you know, leaves it cleaner than before, you know. Um, the people showing up at the hospital. It's it's the it's those it's the body of Christ just being the body of Christ. Um, I think God really uses, which is why we wanted to talk about it. Um, because we see that it's powerful, we see that it's really um helpful. Yeah, that's great. I love um I love reflecting on this idea of community together. Um I know for myself a really formative time when I was young was someone saying to me, Oh, the things you need to be a Christian is music preaching and and people. And he's just like, and the people suck and I can listen to the music somewhere else and I can listen to the teachers. Oh, um <laughs> I don't think he's a Christian, by the way. Yeah, sorry for saying that. I mean, <laughs> but that set me on a path of personally reading through the Bible and being like, well, I'm pretty sure you need the people. Like, the people are pretty significant. Um, like, Jesus is an example of that, isn't he? He's a God puts on flesh to come hang out with people. Um, and there's a sense of which God's love gets fleshy when we can give each other a hug or bring one another a meal or to, <laughs> to audibly say out loud words like, mm. man, like, you know that Jesus loves you despite all of your muck. Like, you know that he has forgiven you and that you're in his family. Yeah. Uh, there's something about uh, even just how we learn, right? Uh, I think it's Reese Bazant. Ridley's getting a huge plug today, mm. right? Man, yeah. Ridley lectures, come on. Uh, not sponsored, by the way, but this podcast will take a sponsor. We'll take Ridley and Rip Curl. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, sorry, we digress. But our, our process of learning is the things that we hear, the things that we lit, the things that we read, and the things we talk about. Mm. Um, How do you repeat that? He... Things we, the things we read, yep. things we hear, and the things we talk about. There's something about yep. verbal processing together. Now, Pat, I can't, how, many, how many one another's are there? In the Bible, there's like a bunch of them. Alathons, oh. alathons, oh, 108. tons, 108 and one another. I was gonna say, I was gonna say 86. So we printed sure. them all out one time. That was a good. Read. We have, and then we fact checked it with my mom. Yes, we had a bunch on our fridge for a long time, and I couldn't tell you one of them, but I know there's a lot. And you can't, you can't practice the fruits of the spirits without someone no. else, can you? Right. Like uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You know, gentleness. How am yeah. I doing? Yes. How am I doing? Oh, you're nearly there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Faithfulness, self-control. Um, there you go. There's one other, but anyway. Sorry, community. I'd love to hear some stories, um, you know, leaving just going personal for, for a moment. Like when there's been some times that actually you're like, man, if it wasn't for God's people, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I think where I'm heading towards there is I think um, there's no doubt there's someone listening here today that's had a bad experience with the church community, um, you okay. know, that they've they've hosted a GC and that people didn't leave it cleaner than when they came type of experience or, or worse. Yeah. And and it's, there are worse stories out there. Um, yeah. But what are, um, what are your guys' experience around good quality Christian community and um, how can it look when people make it a spiritual discipline to do it well? To um to share the love of Christ. Oh, I've got I've got something to share. If uh if you don't, Brit. Um, 
I think that oh, I've got again. I need to kind of center my thoughts for a minute. I've seen it done really well. Okay, especially in the last year. I think coming out of uh, COVID, it was a classic time where everybody felt lonely, and we had a, a, a time at our church. Um, we I kind of describe when I came into the role. It was like a puddle. Um, East saw this dramatic growth numerically um, that kind of came out of nowhere. We went from this kind of small church plan of 50 to 80 people to like, I think we're now at 400. And I kind of picture it like a puddle where if you just tip out water, it spreads really fast, but there's no depth. Um, and there's, there was, that was kind of how we felt. Like we, all of a sudden you're in this hall with a lot of people. You could be in a cinema or standing outside with a lot of people and you're like, okay, I'm here, I'm at church. This is technically my family, but I don't know these people. Um, and that's when I came on board because I kind of saw, okay, this is the this is the really felt need of our church. I keep on having conversations with people who say, I feel like no one's talking, talking to me. And I look around the church um, foyer afterwards and no one's talking to each other. And then it quickly made me realize that, hey, if you just talk to each other, then that'll solve the problem that you all have. Like we all feel the same way. Uh, and it's one of those things where I think we can sometimes come to church and be very, um, not self-centered is the wrong term, but it's very easy to sit down and be like, oh, I haven't, haven't seen M since last week. Can't wait to talk to her about The Bachelor. Uh, you know, like let's kind of get into it because that's the easy conversation as opposed to recognizing that there are people in the room who are super, super lonely and, um, and they're just craving that community because, and they desperately just want to be known and want to be loved and want to be part of the church family like Ephesians kind of talks about. They're, they are actually a member of the body and for us to not be outward looking, uh, it's just like ignoring a knee injury and then trying to keep on walking. It's just a terrible way to go about it. And so I've like just in the last year, um, I've just seen a really great lifting of the eyes of, of people in our church and that's just warmed my soul because uh, when you see people intentionally just stopping and being like, you know what, I'm going to leave this conversation, which I love, and it's such a tension because I want to get to know M more, but I'm actually going to say, hey, you know what, I'm, we can catch up for a coffee because we already got a relationship, but I can see someone over there who's sitting by themselves. I'm just going to make a beeline and totally change their week. And it's not about getting them plugged into our church and you know becoming part of the gang. It's about, hey, I really actually want to know other people and um i've found that the more that you do that the more you just your heart just like expands and and grows like kind of when you have kids you're you're thinking like how could i love anything more than this and then you have another kid and you go oh that's how you just get another one and like and all of a sudden you it's it's not like you have changed your love your love just expands so yeah i find that uh in my experience that i've just seen a lot of that um without using specific names yeah it's been really cool mm-hmm. i think it was i don't know if that answers the question so i have a follow-up question, but i'm keen to hear from it as well oh i just wanted to acknowledge i think it was good i think we're what a couple of 20 something minutes into this podcast at some point we need to acknowledge the reality community can also be really hard um sure. and yeah. that this is i think i've learned in church maybe there's two areas that just seem fraught in terms of everyone probably has a fair bit to say one seems to be worship and song choice and what type of music you want to see played in church and how you feel yeah, about it. Like, no, no, right? <laughs> like how you feel about drums seems to be um, 
mm-hmm. and hymns and anyway, I'm not even going to wade in because that's not my area of expertise. Um, but I feel like um, that's the next podcast. Yes, yeah. Um, when you talk about table flipping Jesus and then go on to the yeah, the ins and outs of worship, it'll be great. Um, but I think the other area which we can all say that it feels like everyone has thoughts and experiences yeah. and is community. Um, it's so interesting. Like at least at Sydney Hill Melbourne, we run almost monthly a newcomers night. Um, great nights, M hosts them, people have, and part of one of the activities that we do at this night is we get people in small groups. And one thing they share with each other is what do you think makes a great church? And without fail, every single time we've run one of these newcomers nights, I would say at least half the groups, if not all, like minimum half, will say something along the lines of great community, good community, welcoming community. Um, it's just this deep felt need. But what we don't have time to unpack on a newcomer's night, and it's such a good question, is but, but like, yeah, what is co- good community? What do you mean when you say that? And what are you, what does that look like to you? Um, I think that's what you were getting at, Pat. Like you have this church that's, everyone wants it. Um, how do we go about getting it? And I think that, and so we've got to acknowledge that with that ambiguity of what we mean about good community, I can think of tons of stories that make my heart sing and are wonderful. I can also, let's just acknowledge, the, think of times and stories of where it didn't look how it should have looked. Um, totally. And so that's, yeah, that, that's the reality of being in church. Just in case people are listening to this and we're so positive about community and people are like, but it's been so hard as well. Yeah. Mm. The GC sucks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Britt, I'm so glad you've said that because that's that's a that's an awesome um, runway into what I think is a really uh, Im- a really helpful thing to, for us to chat about. Um, I mean, because there are so many communities in the world right now. I mean, you can, I think it's John Tyson. And he says that you can just like say a word and whack the word community on the end of it, and it's somehow a community. Like this is the barbecuing community. You know, this is the uh, you know the motorbike riding community, and all of a sudden it's a thing. You know, um, like now I think. I guess I'd love to hear from you guys just in your role. How would you articulate the difference that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ um, makes a makes a gospel community? And I don't mean that in terms of like our small groups we meet during the week. Like mm. what is a gospel community? What are the defining elements of what Jesus has achieved and even what mm. Jesus is doing right now? that make the church community so utterly unique from every single other community across the face of the earth. Um, mm. And am way into this. Yeah. Um, Cause I think this is a huge, a huge one because the reality is, is the church offers, Jesus offers something that no one else, nothing else can. Um, but yeah, guys, keen to hear your reflections on that. Yeah. I think a big one, we discussed this on the People People podcast. Once upon a time, yeah. a podcast we had about <laughs> this isn't a plug for that. Don't go back. You don't have to. But I remember asking this very question and us discussing yeah. how the Christian community is not community for community's sake. The end goal here is not that we just have this community, if that makes sense. But it's a community that looks outside of itself or to a different goal. In that, I think what you see in the Bible is this idea of spurring one another on to love and good deeds or that we might present each other mature in Christ. So the idea is that I want everyone in this community to love Jesus and look more like Jesus till the very end. And that means that our goal isn't just ourselves. Um, and because if your goal is just community, and I think churches fall into this trap where we, like even when we say, oh, what makes a church is great community. And we just mean how close is everyone to one another? But that's not, 
the byproduct of good community should be that you're not celebrating the community, you're celebrating Jesus, um, and you're not looking yep. more like each so other. Good. You're more, <laughs> looking more like Jesus, which means that then, if that's the goal, um, I think you're pretty committed to it, even yeah. when it's because if it's community for community's sake. When it stops being good or fun or easy, um, you're out. Um, yeah, that's so I know good. you have thoughts on this, Pat. We were discussing it just the other day. Mm. Mm. Yeah, oh, I um. I mean, just as you were talking and Louis, when you were do, giving your intera- introduction about like what you love about Jesus, you mentioned the feeding of the 5,000 and this all just reminds me so much of that. So that's in Matthew 14. That's when Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? Before Jesus feeds the 5,000, there's the death of John the Baptist at Herod's banquet. And Matthew's like super deliberately put these two things together. So you've got the, the death of John the Baptist is at this banquet that Herod puts on you know, he's got this young woman dancing for him. He's like probably drunk. He wants to impress her. So he says, yeah, I'll give you anything. And he, he yeah, she, her mum convinces her to ask for the head of John the Baptist. It's like this tragic, gross, mm. everything about it is yuck. But then you've got this feeding of the 5,000. And I think we're supposed to see the two banquets side by side. And often we can read these passages like uh, in uh, isolation, but when you look at them side by side, you see that Jesus had compassion, healed the sick, even in a desolate place. He says blessings and people are satisfied. And he just like, it, it's such a different dinner. And like, and I think it's kind of like a good microcosm of community with Jesus just looks radically different to the world. Uh, community in the world is kind of hopeless, kind of gross. Uh, yes, you can, you can get a, you can get a taste of it, like some good things, but they're always going to be distorted as opposed to, and like, I'm not saying that church does community perfectly. Like we've talked about um, the fact that we stuff it up a lot and the church really has stuffed it up a lot um, and re- done a really bad job at, you know, in the past loving, uh, loving vulnerable people, especially, but it's like, it's the end goal, exactly as you said, Britt, is to emulate a dinner with Jesus, which is just a beautiful and gorgeous thing. And, and like you so want to be at the feeding of the 5,000 and you so don't want to be at Herod's banquet. And I think that's where like, I just see community like that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I like, I just. <laughs> Emily's got her thinking sorry. back on. You look like you're about to say yeah, something. Right, sorry, no for the audio. I'm staring up and thinking about it. I, I think what makes it unique an element of what makes it unique is the image that we get from is it, I think it's Revelation five of like every tie every <laughs> nation of <at> time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I can't think of a time where I've said it correctly the first time. Um tribe, nation and tongue. And it's that yes. it's that expectation of diversity. Um yeah. is, is like ingrained in. And so it's which is kind of an element of countercultural is that even within diverse communities, there's really narrow, there can be really narrow lanes. Like even the three that you pulled up before Louis of like what John Tyson is saying about how you can kind of like slap community on the end, like the barbecuing community, like it's pretty niche. Um, but you're looking at the community, the body of Christ, like built in is an expectation of diversity built in is this expectation that I have gifts that Pat doesn't have and Pat has gifts that I don't have and we are to celebrate that 
rather than turn away from it. Um, and that's what when we when then when we gather on Sundays or we gather throughout the weeks, um, yeah, there are people that you are drawn to because it's like it, it it is easier at times. Um, but I I think what I I think what I love and I'm articulating like figuring this out as I'm talking is that built-in expectation of difference. Mm. Um, there is a there is an element where that is unique. To jump in, the that was actually one of the things that really attracted me to church when I was a non-Christian. Yeah. So I'd, I'd kind of driven down to Melbourne and I'd gone to this Bible study and it was um, basically they just decided to have a night of, of dinner and prayer and I was like really impacted because I was meeting mum there, but I wasn't Christian, but they still asked me how I wanted to be prayed for. And they were just a lovely group of people. And I just, that I was like so warmly received and loved and, and welcomed that I just laid in bed that night being like, <laughs> what is different to those people that was compared to the people who I'm usually around? And then like, as I started going to church and stuff, I realized that I had like a CEO sitting next to of Christian Blind Mission, sitting next to a guy who uh, lives in social housing, sitting next to the CFO of a, a major company, sitting next to a mum who's sitting next to a teacher. And I was like, well, this is a really diverse community, but there is no hierarchy mm. here. Mm. And there might be in the like, you know, when we do it wrong. But the reality is, is that before the throne, they are as equal mm. as it gets like you know you just can't take any of the earthly stuff we do to heaven uh, and it's just like it's so compellingly beautiful and it's what a lot of the world's communities are trying to emulate uh, but really like before the cross you just you just equal like the four of us have nothing to bring to the cross except the sin that makes it necessary like as Spurgeon said that it's like it's such a humbling great yeah think it's just a beautiful community to be a part of i love it i think something that's really unique about the community too is that it's maybe a community where we're okay with just saying it's not quite finished in that the other thing that the bible talks about is that we get a lot of like pictures and like often paul uses like certain metaphors and one is about being like a building or a temple but talk about how we're being built uh being being the what's that is continuous a tense uh whatever that is it's it's continuing to go um we're not finished and so we're not we shouldn't expect that that we're going to look finished that we're going to look perfect but knowing that gives a real freedom if I don't expect that but we've also got this community I think what makes us look different like Pat you were like okay this is a weird group is it like a weird collection of people and what should also look different about who all love Jesus have seemed to have a genuine equality a genuine diversity and hopefully a genuine grace because we know that we're not all finished yet we know that this this is not always going to look perfect um, a show that I really love is Ted Lasso. I was like, why does this show seem so different to other things that I've watched? I'm talking about season one, yeah. like the purity of season one. Um, <laughs> because they're like, it's a show where they like genuinely apologize to each other. Um, they stuff up, they say sorry. Then the other person says, you know what? It's okay. And I was like, you don't see that very often, yeah. but you should see it in the church because we're comfortable with the fact that we're still being built. Um, and so we're comfortable to be like, I'm sorry. And we're comfortable with, hey, I didn't get it exactly right, but I'm going to keep I'm going to stay in this and I'm going to commit to this. Whereas like, I think lots of other communities, if you get hurt or, you know, or it it stops, it's so hard. um, You just, you expect it to be finished. I guess you expect it to be 
all that you need it to be. I think what you're saying is uh, before Brit of like, this is a hope and expectation that people have of church is this like, Mm. this this beautiful expression of community, this healthy expression of community. Um, and so I think we have, we I don't think we've actually done anything to like the argument for the spiritual discipline of community to be something that's good. <laughs> like in the sense that like, I think people are convinced of that. Mm. Um, I think we've been able mm. to kind of like add some layering to that. Um, but then just recognizing there are, like there can be steps from here. Um, and so thinking like, from you guys like you're the community person at your church um sorry you're the person with community in your role it's a lot of pressure to be the community person um, at church that's no, no, no. community does not actually rise and fall on one person at all um so you know i want to make that very clear uh, <laughs> uh but with people who are thinking through oh i, I want to be intentional with including community in my my rhythms of life um, in my pursuit of flourishing in Christ, I want to make sure that community is a part of it. Um, so what is what is a step? I'd love to hear from you guys. What is a step forward for someone? Just one step. Um, and you have to have different ones. So if someone, so you have to get in early on this. Um, and then maybe... Can we have three? No, nah, one step. How long are you three? No, nah, just one. And then Louis, I'd love... Yeah, that's right. I bet it can be short. Guy's elevator pitch was like a Trump Tower. Like it was so low. It was a lot of flaws. Um, And then Louis would love to hear from you. Like what is something we can pray for our communities? So I think there's like an intentional step we need to take. um, But also I think we can, we would do well to pray for our communities. So brittle Pat, get in there before the other one snake drafts it from you. You go. You have two each. <laughs> no, I need two. Can I just so to clarify the rules? Can we assume some things are a given? Given that we both look after gospel communities, can we just lay it down? And it shouldn't count if it's just assumed that we say you should join a yes, gospel community. That is, that's that's already a gimme. Because I don't done. want to use one of my ones on that, but I think it's really important. Yes, this that is the rule. You could just keep on doing that technique for all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just assumed. <laughs> I guess it's assumed that no, I think. Okay, my two things that I uh, really encourage you to do is community, people think that it's something that should happen to them and as opposed to doing to other people. And it happens to you when you do it to other people. Like it's a, it's a two-person dance. You can't just step into a community, community, like by definition, you have to be, to be a part of it, you have to be a part of it. So like jump in two feet, every, you know, gospel communities are a given, but um when the community events are on and prioritizing other people. And this leads to my second one, which is for my wife and I, like we really find that planning makes things happen. So part of our kind of rule of life rhythm is that um, we've just sat down and we've just mapped out the next couple of months of when we're going to the zoo as a family, when we're having people over, when we're having uh, our Christian friends over and non-Christian friends, because then that builds like anticipation and excitement to like, be a part of that community and like it doesn't happen or can happen incidentally but um we find it happens more often if we just book it in um as a couple because we're we're living these this life together and it gets a bit complicated when you when you're married like that all right i've got two 
um, a practice and a posture. So one, Whoa. like a really simple practice. She's good. I think I had time to think while while Pat talked. Not that I wasn't <laughs> listening to every single word carefully. Watch um, the double up. <laughs> um, but I think the practice um, is. I think when we've talked about community, maybe you're picturing a really big group of people. You're picturing church and there's a hundred or so or more people, you know, or 50 in the building. Um, but don't forget community also is that one-to-one, as we said, one another. Um, and I think to create that space where you have time to go really deep with someone, because if we're going to be spurring each other onto Christ likeness, you're going to need space to like potentially lovingly correct or rebuke or, you know, like challenge. And that's often done in a one-to-one format, or even if you're, um, I mean, a lot of that, yeah, refining and pushing each other happens in a smaller environment. And so I would say one of the most helpful, beneficial, fruitful things I've done is when you read the Bible with someone or you pray with someone or both um, and and someone who you trust and they trust you and they can build over time as you do this many one-to-one, but isn't afraid to maybe be like, um, yeah, I was joking, like I was um, like chatting with someone who I was talking about like my some of my like ideas, like as we're doing this Vine Shellers Crow series, like what am I finding good? What am I finding hard? And some of the things I was finding hard and they were like, oh, Britt, I think that might just be sin <laughs> as I was like articulating. <laughs> um, but like a space where maybe there could be conversations gently like that though um, in that, or I've had, yeah, last year, two friends both gave me good close friends, both said, hey, I've noticed this in you. And they both said the same thing. And it was something that it kind of needed to be corrected. Um, and... It was really helpful. And they said it so, these are people, but they couldn't have said it if there wasn't that one-to-one space, I think. Um, and one of them said it because um, they had asked me, we were doing like a review. Um, oh, it was in a work kind of context, but anyway, like of inviting feedback from one another. Um, and so anyway, I just think to do the Christian life deeply, meet one-to-one. That's my practice. And my posture would be, um, which is similar to what Pat said in terms of that, willingness to be community or to do it, but have space in your life. I think um, part of the downside of a busy life and that like constant pace is that relationships are slow. People are slow. This takes time. Community is not neat and efficient and it can be ticked off quickly. And so part of the eliminating busyness is probably that space to then do community well and having that margin, like, you know, how like we have to live with margin because people take the margin and that's a good thing. Like you want to be the type of person if someone calls you up and they need help or things like you have the space and the time. Um, and so I think to have a posture, if we're going to do this well, try not to be, you will love people better. You'll do better community when you slow down. This is so rich coming from me. I would just like to fully, like if anyone's listening and they know me, I'm working on this. Um, but that's I think part of that like have and and maybe just don't have that like I have enough friends but if you if you're being part of a church have space in your life for new people and people to come in um and do that intentionally okay that's my two that was maybe like three or four really <laughs> so good well <clears throat> Amy you've asked me to think of a, a prayer prayer point um I think it's any prayer that um, helps to grow in us a greater understanding of what God did so that we could have community with him. If that takes, if that is, if that finds its home in our heart and remains our posture for the community that we seek to pursue in response to the community that God is creating and created in Jesus, 
then um, community will work. Because once we understand that um, for community to have them, for, for us to be a part of the triune community was a, one of great love, great sacrifice, great mercy, and great forgiveness, we can enter into any relationship of, you know, any two or three people can gather together all saying, I love Jesus and I want to follow him. It's just like, well, we all have the same values. Um, and love, grace, and forgiveness, that'll, you know, uh, love covers a multitude of sins and love will grow us in a patience and a gentleness. Um, and so I think if there's a, if there's a prayer, I would, I mean, I would just encourage people to go back to the original reading at the start of our series, John 15, except don't stop with the video, go two more verses. It stops at verse 11, but verses 12 and 13 are just like, why did we leave that out? Because Jesus goes on to say, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. What did he say? And then he says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I mean, you know, by this people will know that you're my disciples for the love that you have for one another. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a community that I want to be a part of. That's a community that I go, man, uh, where do I find the help for this love? I look again at Jesus. And then we're in community. What are we doing? We're looking at Jesus. And then it's just like this perpetual experience of like growing depth covered in forgiveness. And um, yeah. And then it gets perfected on the last day. So anyway, pray towards that. It'd be, it'd be good. Sorry. I'm just uh, getting caught up. Can you, can you pray towards that for us, Louis? All right. I will. Get a bottle. <laughs> All right. Uh, our dearest Heavenly Father, um, uh, we cannot thank you enough for your wonderful love, uh, your amazing love. Uh, mm. Even as you introduced yourself to Moses, as you hid him in the cleft of the rock, you said, I am the Lord, the Lord of gods, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. Uh, and Lord, that is what we have all experienced in the person and work of Jesus. Uh, that is what our world can experience in the person and work of Jesus, uh, to receive him, believe on his name. Father, we ask that our churches would be known for this wonderful love, that we would share this love, that we would embody this love, and that we would um, be people that love one another because you first loved us. Uh, so every, every person that's... Uh, Hearing this prayer now, Lord, um, I ask that you would give us a greater sense of your love so that our cup would overflow and that we would be able to love others and that love would just create such a beautiful network of um, tight-knit, close relationships of where um, yeah, we are known for just the grace that comes from being in your family. Hmm. Uh, we ask for this wonderful... Uh, yeah, wonderful miracle to happen uh, by your by your great power. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, friends, uh, you've been listening to the Vine, the Trellis, and the Crow podcast, flourishing in Christ. Um, we'd love to encourage you towards uh, making time for community this week. Um, perhaps 
even as you press pause at the end of this episode, you send a text, you're like, hey, let's get a coffee. I've got a question I want to ask you. And you can ask them, hey, what do you love about Jesus? And who knows what might happen as that community continues to grow and find its depth in him. We'll chat again soon. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Britt. Thank you, Em. We'll be back later this week. Bye. Bye. Bye.